Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American Guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the Cardiators, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 4.3 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by Dr. Maryam Burkadarian. Answered first by medicine resident Dr. Ahmed Ghanim, and then by expert faculty Dr. Kim Williams. Dr. Williams served as president of ASNIC, chairman of the board of the Association of Black Cardiologists, and president of the ACC. Miriam, I think you have a question for us. Thank you, Ahmed. Mr. O is a 48-year-old man with a past medical history significant for obesity. BMI is 42 kg per square meter. Hypertension type 2 diabetes, and hypercholesterolemia. His calculated ASCBD risk score today is 18.8%. You counsel him on the importance of weight loss in the context of CBD risk reduction. Which of the following weight loss recommendations is appropriate? Choice A. Maintaining a weight loss of at least 25% from baseline is required to influence blood pressure, lipids, and glycemic control. Choice B. Hypocaloric diets lead to short-term weight loss, but a healthy diet should be maintained over time to reduce CBD risk. Choice C. Nilacrotide can be used to induce weight loss as an alternative to diet and exercise. Choice D. Bariatric surgery is effective for weight loss, but has no ASCVD risk reduction benefit. So, Ahmed, what do you think? Great question, Mariam. Here, the correct answer is B. Energy restriction is the cornerstone of management of obesity. All the different types of hypocaloric diets achieve similar short-term weight loss, but these effects tend to diminish by 12 months. It's a class one recommendation to maintain a healthy diet over time to achieve CVD risk reduction. The Mediterranean diet is an example of a diet that can have persistent cardiovascular benefit beyond the 12 months. Even though the Mediterranean Sea is literally walking distance from my house back in Egypt, I can definitely do better with adherence to the Mediterranean diet. Choice A is incorrect because maintaining even a moderate weight loss of 5-10% to from baseline has favorable effects on risk factors, including blood pressure, lipids, and glycemic control, as well as on premature all-cause mortality. Choice C regarding medications is incorrect because medications approved as aids to weight loss such as loraglutide, orlistat, and naltrexone bupropion may be used in addition to lifestyle change to achieve weight loss and maintenance. They're not an alternative to a healthy lifestyle. 
Meta-analysis of medication-assisted weight loss found favorable effects on blood pressure, glycemic control, and ASCVD mortality. Choice D regarding bariatric surgery is incorrect because patients undergoing bariatric surgery had over 50% lower risk of total ASCVD and cancer mortality compared with people of similar weight who did not have surgery. Bariatric surgery should be considered for obese, high-risk individuals when lifestyle change does not result in a maintained weight loss, and that is a Class 2A recommendation. The ACC AHA guidelines focused primarily on lifestyle interventions for obesity and had no specific recommendations in regard to bariatric surgery or medication-assisted weight loss. So the main takeaway here is that weight reduction, even as low as 5-10% to from baseline, and a long-term maintenance of a healthy diet are recommended to improve the CVD risk profile of overweight and obese people. Dr. Williams, what's your perspective on weight loss recommendations for our patients? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Thank you for having me. And I think I'm going to start some controversy here, but I want to point out a few things from the literature. So first of all, uh, one of the things that you point out really well is that short-term weight loss is probably not our goal. That is, you want something that is sustainable. If you don't have sustainability, there's data from a while back that was very clear that if you lose a lot of weight and then you gain it back, you're actually putting yourself at risk for increased cardiac events. That probably has to do with lipids going up and down and then becoming, uh, taking stable plaques and making them more vulnerable. Never been explained, but certainly has been observed. And so what we want is something that's really going to be sustainable. And it turns out that one of the best ways to make it sustainable is to change the body, change the microbiome. Many people have not seen this literature yet and aren't aware that your human bodies, as we're sitting here, it's only about 43% human. And the rest of the DNA is actually viruses and bacteria and fungi. And we have a microbiome on our skin. We have one in our nose. We have one in our mouth. And we have one in our GI tract. And the one in the GI tract can actually be manipulated. And it's actually been shown. If you take the uh, microbiome that's not dysbiotic, not the kind that increases obesity, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, inflammation, coronary disease, and the like, and you have a good microbiome, you can actually lose weight. You can do a fecal transplant, a probiotic sort of uh, intervention, give an obese person a thin person's stool and reverse, and that obese person will actually lose weight, the thin person will gain weight. And it's all because of the microbiome and how the nutrients are dealt with when they get into the GI tract. I want that to be the underpinning message because everything else we're doing, uh, manipulating, whether it's the time, calorie density, and intermittent fasting or changing the uh, amount of calories should be secondary to what we're going to do to our microbiome. And to that end, we really do want a whole food plant-based diet. So kudos to the people, my friends who put together the PREDIMED trial, 2013 Mediterranean diet hit the news, New England Journal of Medicine, then got criticized a few years ago, as you may know, because there were randomization issues. That is, if I was randomized into the trial and I got nuts instead of olive oil, and then my brother living in the same house get into the trial, they didn't randomize him. They just gave him what they were delivering to me. Well, they had somebody called him out on that in the region where that happened, and they had to go back and censure the data for the loss of randomization in a handful in, in some people. And when they did that, guess what? 
they got another publication in 2018. And all of a sudden, it's very similar data. The data is almost identical. The numbers are slightly different. But all of a sudden, it's the number one diet recommended by U.S. News and World Report. You know, when U.S. News and World Report tells me that since I took over leadership at Rush, that cardiology went from unranked to number 33 in the country. I, I love U.S. News and World Report. But on this one, I want them to go back and look. And I hope everybody in the listening audience goes and pulls that paper and looks at the figure with the Kaplan-Meier pause that has been shown over and over again, showing a 30% decrease in heart attack, stroke, and death, okay, for if you do the Mediterranean diet with either nuts or extra virgin olive oil. So dumping red meat and changing to fish, 30% decrease. But then if you look at panel B in the same figure, it tells you there was no change in mortality. And then you go to the table and you look at the data. That 30% decrease was almost all stroke. And if I was sitting here as a neurologist, I would be so excited about the Mediterranean diet. Wouldn't believe it. Because, you know, we have this, this stroke protocol thing going on at Rush. And people just go nuts trying to get the, the thrombolytics going. And it really is tough on us, particularly during COVID when we're upscaling to take care of people. How about decreasing the number of strokes? Mediterranean diet. But as a cardiologist, when you look at that data, what you'll see is that the number of myocardial infarctions were not changed, that the amount of cardiac death was not changed, and the overall mortality was not changed. And so this is not something that we should be promoting to our cardiovascular patients for reduction. How does it end up getting into guidelines? Because you try to take a study at face value that heart attack, stroke, and death was the primary outcome, but sometimes we have to go beyond and actually look at the data. So anyway, that makes a lot of our recommendations rather fishy, unfortunately. And we would like people to actually know that data pretty well before making a decision. Now, I know the topic was not dying. It, the topic was weight loss. Okay, so let me get back to that. Because fortunately, there was a randomized trial specifically published by Neil Barnard and Nutrients about February of 2021, almost a year ago, saying that they were going to test people 16 weeks see what the difference is. And I know that's relatively short, feeding one group randomized to Mediterranean and the other was to a completely whole food plant-based diet. The good news was the blood pressure almost unexpectedly went down just as well with vegan and Mediterranean, but the weight was far better with a vegan diet than it was if you're eating fish or the nuts or the olive oil. So that is, if we were going to listen to randomized data, we would train everyone who has a weight issue to a whole food plant-based diet. Again, it's all about the microbiome. And so I would say that this is an opportunity to really change the dialogue, get people to lose the weight because they change the bacteria that are determining the increased weight that they. And I think that's pretty much the gamut of issues. I mean, there are a handful of other comments such as the bariatric surgery is actually known to, ex now that it's been studied, it actually, part of its benefit is actually to change the microbiome uh, along with many other interventions, but a whole food plant-based diet is a really good one. And I do have one more comment about glutide. This is a drug that, you know, uh, cardiologists can't even pronounce. Fact of the matter is we need to learn all about the GLP-1s, which this one is, and the SGLT-2s, because both of them have a fantastic degree of cardiovascular benefit. They are on top of statins and just as good as statins in terms of 24, 25, 26% uh, reduction 
in uh, cardiovascular events, but it's also weight loss and it's also prevention of heart failure. And so we need to kind of pinocytose this off from the endocrinologist, take responsibility. And it's not even just diabetics and pre-diabetics. Anyone who's at cardiovascular risk can actually benefit from these drugs. And one by one, they're getting more FDA indications in the prevention space. So I'm hoping that everyone's listening to your answers and questioning a little bit more if they don't know about these, the drugs just yet. It was wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Williams. Thank you, Ahmed. Thank <laughs> you.